everyone to Wellbeing Wednesdays. My name is Courtney Weaver and I'm your host. I'm also the director over at WellWVU here at West Virginia University. I'm joined by no one today, uh, so that means once again you get to hear me ramble about a topic, but instead of talking about an STI, I'm actually going to talk about something that's a little more close to my heart. I wouldn't say it's a theory, but I would say it's more of a framework for how to think about sexuality, and it's called the circles of sexuality. So the Circles of Sexuality is a framework that was developed by Dr. Dennis Daly at a school out in Kansas. And the reason that it was developed is because sometimes when we see the word sexuality, we automatically just sort of shorten that and think of the word sex. And then hence, we think of the act of sex. But sexuality is so much more than just our sexual feelings or the act of sexual intercourse. So it includes all of our thoughts, our feelings, and our behaviors of our gender, of being attractive, being in love, as well as being in relationships that include sexual intimacy and sexual activity. So I figured this was actually a nice way to start the well, to continue the month of February with the approaching of Valentine's Day. So the model itself actually breaks down sexuality into five unique but overlapping circles. So uh, again, it was developed by Dr. Dennis Daly, and the information that I'm talking about here was taken from a handout on the Advocates for Youth website, which I'll link to in the description of the podcast. So let's break it down. So the first circle is sensuality. So when we say sensuality, what we're talking about here is awareness and acceptance of and comfort with one's own body. We're also talking about the physiological and psychological enjoyment of one's own body and the bodies of others. So basically, sensuality enables us to feel good about how our bodies look and feel and what they can do. And it also allows us to enjoy the pleasure our bodies can give us and to others. So there are certain topics that fall under it. So when we think about sensuality, under that we have body image, we have the human sexual response cycle, which basically catalogs how a body responds to sexual stimuli, Um, and then we have skin hunger, and then we have fantasy. So why is sensuality important? Well, it allows us to understand our anatomy and our physiology, and with this knowledge we can appreciate the ways in which our bodies work. Uh, And whether we feel attractive and proud of our own bodies and the way that they function can influence many aspects of our lives. So I know we've talked about this before and we've talked about positive body image, but sometimes we choose, you know, media personalities as a standard for how we should appear. And this can lead to some issues with what we see when we look in the mirror. And this can be made worse by mainstream media because it doesn't always positively portray, if at all, you know, different types of skin color, hair, eyes body sizes, abilities, or other physical characteristics. And so sensuality is, again, that how we can feel attractive and proud in our own bodies. So earlier when I was mentioning the topics that fall under sensuality, one of those topics is skin hunger. And you might never have heard that term before. It's actually one of my favorite things. So skin hunger is defined as our need to be touched and held by others in loving and caring ways. But it's also our desire to touch others. Um, It's it's actually been shown that teens and adolescents receive less touch from family members than do young children. So a lot of teens and young adults actually satisfy their skin hunger through close physical contact with a peer. Now, skin hunger is our desire to be touched, but also to touch. And so I always like to think of it as a container. So 
For some, their skin hunger and the amount they want to touch and be touched is like as big as a bucket. Others, it's as big as a thimble. If you've ever like think about your friends and your family, are there folks who maybe are like, I'm not so big on the hugs and the kisses and all that kind of stuff. And then there are other folks who just want to touch everybody all the time in those in those loving and affectionate ways. So it's okay if you have different amounts of skin hunger. It's just really important that you communicate that with your friends and loved ones so that they know what's okay and what's not. Now, the center for sensuality and attraction isn't in the genitals. It's actually in our brains. Your brain is the most important sex organ that you have. I know that's kind of mind-blowing, but that's actually where the unexplained mechanism that's responsible for sexual attraction is housed. Uh, And now when it comes to fantasy, the brain is also what gives us the capacity to have fantasies about sexual behaviors and experience. And the thing is, young people often need some help understanding that sexual fantasies that they experience are normal, but they do not necessarily have to be acted upon. So that's the crash course in circle one of sensuality. So let's move on to circle two. So circle two is intimacy. And so we define that as the ability and need to experience emotional closeness to another human being and to also have it returned. Sharing intimacy is what makes our personal relationships rich. And while sensuality is about physical closeness, intimacy actually focuses more on emotional closeness. And we can kind of see that by looking at the topics that fall under it. So that includes caring, sharing, which is a fun rhyme, loving, liking, risk-taking, and vulnerability. Now, when we say risk-taking, we're not talking about skydiving. We're talking about more emotional risk-taking. And so why is intimacy important? Well, as sexual beings, we can actually have intimacy with or without sexual intercourse. To have true intimacy with another person, you know, someone has to open up and share feelings and personal information. And we take a risk when we share our thoughts and emotions with others. But it's not possible to be really close to another person without being honest and open with them. And again, that's really what we mean when we say risk-taking. You know, we're not, you know, bungee jumping together. It's all about taking those emotional risks. So the third circle in the circles of sexuality framework is sexual identity. So how we define that is basically how we perceive ourselves as a sexual being, including a sense of who we are as a gendered being. It can really be thought of as interlocking pieces that together affect how each person sees themselves. And each piece of sexual identity is important. So the things that fall under it include sexual orientation, gender identity, gender roles, and bias. And whenever I talk about things like sexual identity, it just makes me realize that we need to do a whole episode on the gender unicorn. But for now, this will just be a kind of a crash course. So, so sexual orientation, that refers to whom we are romantically and or sexually attracted to. Gender identity is how you perceive yourself as a gendered being. So that can, that can like run the gamut. So someone can identify as a man, as a woman, as transgender or trans or gender nonconforming, gender queer, agender, gender fluid, and, and more. The language Language for gender is always evolving, which I've always loved about it because we're always finding new ways to define ourselves, and I think that's really cool. Now, gender roles aren't like cinnamon rolls, <laughs> uh, but they refer to knowing what it means to be your gender and what a person can or cannot do because of their gender. There are many of these rules that have absolutely like nothing to do with the way our bodies are built and are actually socially constructed. And some rules are positive, but others are harmful, and they can vary based on culture as well. So that was a short little course on circle three. Now let's move to circle four. So circle four is sexual health and reproduction. And it is probably the circle that is included the most when it comes to what I like to call standard sex education. And so that's looking at attitudes and behaviors that are related to producing children, 
care and maintenance of the sex and reproductive organs, and then also the health consequences of sexual behavior. So the topics that fall under it include factual information, feelings and attitudes, intercourse, physiology and anatomy of reproductive organs, STIs or sexually transmitted infections, and then contraception and abortion. Now, just because it's included the most in standard curriculum isn't necessarily a bad thing, because it's still really important, because it's the circle that focuses on the necessity for people to understand how their reproductive and sexual systems work, and how conception occurs. So adolescents in particular seem to have a lot of inadequate information about how their own or their partner's bodies work. I know this I mean, firsthand throughout, you know, my decades worth of work, you know, just talking to college students across this country. And, and it's true, we, we don't seem to have the information that we need in order to make some safer choices. Because without knowing how things work, we, you know, we can't really make informed decisions about our sexual behavior and health. So that's why it's really important that we know how the mechanics go. <laughs> So when it comes to like feelings and attitudes, we need to let young people talk more openly on the issues of things like sexually transmitted infections, contraception and abortion, because that allows self-awareness to increase and helps empower them to make healthy decisions about their sexual behavior. I find this particularly with sexually transmitted infections, because there's still such a stigma surrounding contracting those and the treatment and the prevention of them. But, you know, the more you talk about something, the more normalized it becomes. And so I always like to have those open and honest conversations with students to help ease their minds, but also get them more comfortable with the topic. Another important idea that this particular circle asserts is that all young people are entitled to accurate information about the different types of sexual behavior and or intercourse that humans can engage in with each other. And that includes talking about not just the risks. I feel like sometimes that's all we tend to focus on, but it's also about talking about the benefits that folks receive when they engage in these types of behaviors. So I think it's really important to have that particular balance because if you if you focus too much on one or the other then you can't really make an informed decision and finally under this circle you know we're talking about contraceptive methods so if someone is needing to prevent pregnancy you know all the different methods that are available how they work where to obtain them their effectiveness and side effects should be discussed so um, also stressing that things like external condoms and internal condoms and dental dams can help prevent sexually transmitted infections is also crucial. And even if young people aren't engaging in sexual behavior now, many of them are likely to do so in the future, or they can actually help a friend too. I've run across that several times in my work where we talk about, you know, something pretty straightforward, like an external condom and people are like, well, I don't I don't need this. I don't have sex now. And it's like, well, you might not have sex now, but you might have sex at a later point in time. Or you might have friends who need this information and you can help them out too. And so, you know, it's it's this assertion that everyone has the right to know how to prevent pregnancy and prevent disease. And I think that's critical. All right. And finally, we got circle five. So circle five in the circles of sexuality is about sexualization. If you've never heard that word before, it's basically the use of sexuality to influence, control, or manipulate others. And so this can sort of, it covers a broad range of behaviors from something that is harmlessly manipulative and kind of benign, kind of like flirting, to something that can be extremely violent and illegal. So what falls under it, flirting, obviously, but also media messages and images that we see, seduction, withholding sex, sexual harassment, incest, and rape. 
So this circle is important because the, because the lessons that fall under this circle really help young people learn that learn that no one should exploit them sexually, and that it's important for folks to practice skills to avoid or fight against unhealthy sexualization should it occur in their lives. You know, but on the flip side, it's also important that young people know that they should never exploit someone else sexually. If they don't want it done to them, they shouldn't do it to someone else. And so it's important to learn skills to develop and maintain healthy relationships. Well, that was a very, very quick overview of the Circles of Sexuality Theory by Dr. Dennis Daly. Again, I will link to the information from Advocates for Youth in the description of this podcast, so you can go and check it out. You can also Google Circles of Sexuality with Dennis Daly and learn even more information on it. But I want to thank you all for listening today, and we will catch you next time on Wellbeing Wednesdays. 